Hey, Sam, it, uh, it seems like we drink a lot of coffee on this podcast. You drink a lot of coffee. I dabble in the coffees. I don't believe that to be true, but that's not true. That's not true at all. Yeah, you're right. No, you do drink. We drink coffee. And, um, it seems like more often than not, we're drinking covert coffee by Brian Fowler. Wouldn't you say? We are drinking covert coffee. We're both fans of covert coffee. We are. Um, and you know, and we have had Brian on the show before to talk to us about coffee. So this is, should be not, should not be news to our dear listeners, um, that we are fans of covert. Right. What do you like um, best about covert coffee? Well, I like that he's a, well, listen, uh, this is micro roasting at its logical like end. Uh, Brian, <laughs> there's no one more obsessed with coffee than Brian uh, and Amy. I should throw Amy in there too, because Amy's part of this operation, the Fowlers. Um, I like that Brian is obsessed with coffee, that he sources his beans responsibly, that um, that he roasts in his home. So, you know, there's, you know, there's love in his home. Um, <laughs> and I like that, look, we basically, we basically get on his website and we say, I'd like a bag. Three days later, the bag arrives in the mail. Um, you know, it's, it's an amazing process. Easy, easy process. It's easy. And it's covertcoffee.com. Is that correct? covertcoffee.com. Yes. Um, and I think right now that you owe me a couple bags of covert coffee because you have it at your house and not at my house. So I'm hoping that there's lots of love happening to my coffee at your house right now. I think, I think those bags are not going to make it to your place, Tim, unfortunately. Then we have a problem. I've got to get Brian to send it to me. Anyway, you guys need to check out covertcoffee.com and have some bags sent to you. It's great coffee made by great people. Hey, everyone. Welcome to Tim and Sam, Sam and Tim, a podcast where Tim Gillespie and Sam Lenore invite you into a conversation with them and many of their friends where they explore life, faith, modern culture, and friendship. Welcome back, everybody. This is Tim and Sam. Sam and Tim, how are you doing today? Doing great, Tim. How are you? Welcome back. Thank you. We are trying a couple things. One, we are, we are recording differently, so hopefully this will sound a little better. And that's the only thing that we're trying. <laughs> this is, these, are, these are giant moves for us, friends. They're so big, we felt the need to begin the show by letting you know that. Uh, but we hope it sounds great. Right. Oh, I know my voice gonna... is going to sound dramatically better. Well, as is mine. The, here's the problem, though. We were going to try, we were going to try to record, so maybe do a video as well. We could post up to the tube of the U, the U tube. Yeah. And um, now my computer's being super laggy. Is it? My, yeah. Well, you look fine in my now. It's, now it's okay, but it was doing it back and forth. I don't know. Doesn't matter. I don't know that. I don't know that people should be looking at what we're doing. What looking at us, anyway. Well, you have. I mean, a you're voice. you're a beautiful man. Thank you very much. Thank you, Tim. And um, I just want to compliment you on your voice. Um, your voice, especially at this time of the morning, it sound it has that you know that I've lived a hard life kind of sound. It's, it's the only time it has you know, the timbre, uh, the timbre that I actually <laughs> approve. No. Um, so we want to thank our producer, Micah, for 
setting up setting this up and hopefully it'll sound better um but i get the feeling he's pushing us he's pushing us he's pushing us but he definitely it's definitely like a situation where it feels like he uh he feels like he's working with old men (laughs) and he's gracious you've taught your son to be compassionate and gracious gracious but it does doesn't it it does sort of feel like he's like "Mm." definitely you know so when he was he was trying to teach me how to do this new recording way we're doing right now yeah he said okay so you want to write this down you want to write these (laughs) steps down and i said what what do you hey you know i i compute i own a computer and then and then he goes do you want me to leave this program open and ready for you to go so you just have to push one button i'm like yeah let's let's do that let's do that (laughs) oh man yeah, because that, that's what I do with my mom, who's 78. I'll be like, hey, I need you to write this down so you can use your remote control again. Right? And she's brilliant. She's a brilliant woman. But there's a lot of remote control. It's a lot. It's a lot. We are we are brilliant men. I will say, look, I just want to give a little bit of a shout-out to my son. It's actually amazing watching him work with uh, Pro Tools. No, really? Logic. What is it he uses? He, he uses Logic, know. right? Yeah, Logic. It's Logic, yeah. I, I'm amazed. He, it's like watching Neo. In, he's, he sees the Matrix. <laughs> he sees it it's amazing I, that's a well your anyway. son's an accomplished musician he's got some stuff up on spotify well since it's promoted we're for promoting michael yeah. lenore on spotify uh, check it out what is it what's the name of the song uh his hit you mean his, his hit. hit his hit song um, right his hit song is tell her tell um, her that's right and just so you know he's got more listeners than um our our big face grace channel on uh, spotify which <laughs> which is uh a little hard to say yeah, but well, also i'm very proud i'm very his proud music, his music's great man your son knows what he's doing he's hey it. yeah um let's get let's get to it okay let's get let's to the it. topic we have agreed on today shall we okay i don't yeah. you want to you want to do the intro you want me to i'll do what? the intro you do tim how intro. are your ribs how are your ribs sh- feeling sh- this morning shut up um <laughs> We said, <laughs> didn't we say we shouldn't say shut up? <laughs> no, you said you don't say shut up. I've never said that. No, We're we shouldn't have to say label shut up. Our, our, our podcast mature if you're going to keep insulting, like using this aggressive language. <laughs> explicit. Explicit. Is there religiously explicit podcast? Hey, we could be the first it, one. If it, Listen, if there's, we could be. If there's families listening to this on the way to somewhere, and yeah. these children just heard you say shut up yeah they shouldn't i'm gonna say pa- pastor tim said shut up so yeah but he I said it he up. said it in jesus children everywhere are saying to the in jesus <laughs> if you say in jesus you can See, say a lot of stuff there's there's a child telling their parent shut up because pastor no, tim can say no, shut up no you have to respect your elders which is so yeah okay so i went to the i went to the river with some friends and we went uh, wakeboarding which was very nice and um and i got up and i you know which i haven't wakeboarded in a while and i'm going and my sons have never actually seen me wakeboard since they were tiny tiny so they didn't remember and i was doing all right i was doing all right i was not great but i was doing all right and they were like dad that's awesome oh you're, you're better than we thought you were which I, I think that bar was pretty low and then um <laughs> and then so i did i did a couple runs fell and i was like oh, i got one more in me and I, mm-hmm. that's when I should have known. I was like, I got this. And then I'm like, I'm going to, I'm going to jump the wake, man. Cause, cause come on. 
And, you know, I think I had been jumping high. I'm, I had not been jumping high, but I was like, okay, I'm going to do it. I'm jumping the wake. So I, I went for it, went backside to hit the wake. And I, I did not land peacefully. Was it, was it a ball of glory, like a Dude. ball of fire? Glorious. It was, it was brutal. It was brutal. And I, I don't know that I did, but I, I, I don't know that I cracked a rib, but I certainly bruised my ribs, my rib cage. And that, that was kind of it for me. That was, that was the day. That was, that was the weekend. I got to sit on the boat the rest of the time. (laughs) Um, it hurt. It hurt a lot. And listen, I, I remember that. Yeah. Yeah. I sneezed yesterday and just about passed out. (laughs) But which is, which is nothing compared to the way you had hurt yourself when you, um, um, when you had an accident skiing, I'm not, not really sure skiing. I'm talking about it right now. I, I'm still not. I, I'm still not processing it completely. Is this you know a HIPAA I'm... violation? So <laughs> you just exposed my my privacy. <laughs> you know what's funny? I have um the the friends I was with when the the injury happened that you're discussing right now. I just hung out with one of them on uh, this last weekend when I was in Chattanooga. Um, yeah. speaking for crosswalk Chattanooga right on, right. Um, and he says he said to me I I have the video because he had one of those GoPro things oh yeah yeah he said I have the video the entire thing your fall and I have the the drama after it Dude. we can hear you shouting for help asking for just <laughs> to call for help and he said and he says do you want to watch it I'm like no dude he's got to send that. it to me that's got to be a show note no. Oh yeah. It's, apparently it's pathetic. I'm I'm gasping for air saying, "Guys, I think I'm hurt. Call for help." <laughs> Dude, you I, got I hurt don't... badly. What happened to you? I mean, cuz no, you... was it was uh, I think it's worth an entire episode cuz it was uh Oh, okay. Well, not we'll that your an... not that your injury is not worth an episode. No, mine was quick. That was it. Mine was over. But you kind of sunny bonoed the whole thing like you. Sunny bonoed. <laughs> I'm just Did saying. I Yes, he died, but yours was pretty serious. Okay, yeah, I did. I, let's, I was. Let's, um, let's do that one at a different time, because that is well, that is a whole episode. I just want to hear that story. Okay, yes. When we come back to it, I'll tell. I'll give you more yeah. details. But for now, uh, terrible accident skiing in Utah with some friends a uh, year and a half ago. Uh, six broken ribs, punctured lung. Good God. Uh, hospital stay, um, and yeah, it was it was uh, pretty dramatic. But, yeah, so I'm fine compared to that. I'm I'm fine. Listen, one bruise or cracked rib will mess you up for a long time. Getting in and out of the car is a problem. Laughing, yeah. coughing. Yeah. Uh, most life laugh activities uh, life activities compromised. But hey, you know what? I think here's what I want to point out mm-hmm. before I move on to more weighty topics related to this. <laughs> um, you fell for what I believe is the the most I mean, this is the most common mistake we all make. And if I could point to the two or three biggest injuries that I've sustained, mm-hmm. they happen right after either I felt overconfident in my abilities mm-hmm. or someone pumped me up by saying, man, you're pretty good. Yeah. And that messes with your psychology in such a way that you push beyond the boundaries of your ability. Much like, so when you, I'm just saying, when you, when your son said to you, dad, you're pretty good. If yeah. I may, if I may diagnose what happened to you psychologically, you said, okay, okay. Uh, let me, let me show him. 
Yep. Let me show them what I can do. And you, I don't want to offend you, my brother, but <laughs> at your age, oh, at your stage well. in life, <laughs> at our stage in life. <clears throat> okay, we no, we're not together on this. We're not together <laughs> on this, first of all. We don't get to say our stage in life. I just had a birthday, but I, I would still like to posit that I am significantly younger than you, and I'm not yet 50. I have a year. I have a year. How, <clears throat> I, I know you love bringing this up. Every, this is... We've, it's the we've only thing I got on you, Sam. I don't have a lot. <laughs> I don't have a lot. You're you're really smart. You're trim. You look like you know. As some people have told me, you look like a a young Mick Jagger. Oh no! I've had people say that you look like a young Mick Jagger. I even had one person say he should wear tight leather pants, and that's when I stopped the conversation because I thought that you're, was weird. I am. That was weird. I'm gonna take that as an offense. I've seen Mick Jagger and listen. I love. He, uh, I'm just saying. Him. I don't have a lot, but the the age he's, thing I've got, he's, he's the age put thing his body I've got. through a lot, and you're. <laughs> well, he's 114 now, and he hangs out with a corpse that is Keith Richards. But I I just, I just think that um, I just think that I don't have a lot right. to make fun of you with. But age is one of them. And, but it's true, right. and that's exactly what happened. My son, my sons were like, Dad, and I'm like, Yeah. First of all, you're a little offended that they didn't think you could do much. Yeah. Right. And then that yeah. pumps up the other side of that ego, which is, well, I'm going to show them and and yeah. Mother Nature. It's and amazing when water becomes concrete. Uh, <laughs> that's speed. That's yeah. at, at 20 knots behind a boat. The water is definitely. And I was probably cement. going probably going 12. Right. I was it's like, but it, uh, but uh, no, it was it was it was painful. It ruined me. Painful. And I realized I'm not as young, not as young. Yeah, I used to your be. your muscle memory is still there, but your body is is uh, definitely not distributed the same way it was right. when uh, when you were jumping wakes. But no, I, I hear you. I hear you. It's pretty brutal. It's br so so. Are we making this about age? Are we talking about age? Is that we're our topic today? About, I listen. I think we're. I think what we had agreed upon is that we should discuss aging in general. Okay. And what um. As we get older, what things we're learning, the lessons we're learning from, from aging, um, Tim, what stands out in um, your maturing middle age? <laughs> well, it, I take one thing to heart, and this is I think pretty important. If you've ever read any of Dr. Dean Scherzai's books, he's a, a brilliant, um, brilliant um, physician who deals with Alzheimer's and dementia. And he and his wife have written a book. She's also a physician. They've written a book called The Alzheimer's Solution. And the basic thing, I've done a lot of presentations with him. I used to work with him at Loma Linda University. Just a, an amazing guy. And his basic premise is the way you treat yourself in your 40s and 50s determines how you will function in your 60s and 70s and 80s. It's oh, wow. direct direct correlations, pretty much. Hmm. And and so, um, so what I've noticed is that it's it's harder to be healthy as you get older. Mm. Mm. That's what that's the first thing that I've noticed. And second thing is you actually have some wisdom that should preclude you from doing things like I did in life. Mm. You know? But um but so so here's what I'm noticing. I, I've always said this in your twenties you're trying to figure out what you're gonna do. In your thirties, you're learning how to do it. 
In your 40s, you create a bit of a mastery of it. And then in your 50s, you begin to teach, or at least you should, and create succession plans and that sort of thing in your life. As I'm reaching the end of my 40s, um, I don't think I have the mastery that I had hoped I would have over the things I do in life. Mm. Um, you know, And also, I, I find myself going, hey, what else can I do? in life. Not that I have a mastery over something, but I'm trying to, you know, is there other things I can do? How can I be? And so I'm not bored by any means. Um, mm. but I'm also noticing that, you know, things just hurt in the morning a lot more. It takes me a little <laughs> while, you know, when you gain that extra 10 pounds, it takes a lot longer to get rid of than it used to. Like, I can't just mm. like, Oh, I just won't have an in and out burger for a couple of weeks and correct what I had been been doing. So yeah, how about you? What do you feel? How's aging for you since you've you've reached that pinnacle much earlier than I have? Uh, yeah, thanks for the frequent reminder. Um, listen, here's some things that I noticed, I've noticed and I things that I worry about and I wonder about and things that, you know, since you're quoting um, uh, literature, I, I would just say that <laughs> I've always been concerned about the things that I know about myself and the things that um, I know other people see in me, which are, which is sometimes not super obvious, but also things that are hidden that not, no one can see, right? That's what I worry the most about. Like, um, and here's what I can see. I can see that my uh, recovery time is taking longer, Yeah. not just for injuries, but for, you know, I, it's just taking longer. For everything. Uh, second, I've noticed that it's taking, that it's, I, I, um, the accumulation of things uh, around me, I've got to keep an eye on. I've got to <laughs> actually be more determined to not let things around me just, and I don't mean stuff, like just life in general. It just becomes, uh, I don't want to be a hoarder, you know. Um, mm -hmm. And I'm saying this because I've had the recent um, experience of helping my parents sort out through what they're going to keep oh. and not keep as they downsize their, their life. Yeah. Now. So, um, you know, I, I look at my home, look at the things around me, and I wonder, have I become one of those people that just kept everything, mm -hmm. every box, every memento, things that I that have deep attachment to my to my life, but really, you, you really shouldn't live that way, right. you know? Um, um, I wonder about that. And I also wonder about my connections. Um, I wonder if as I age, my I have maintained the connections that really matter mm -hmm. that I really should have through the rest of my life and whether um, I'm watering, nurturing and fostering those connections uh, correctly and properly. Yeah. Uh, those things I those things I think about a lot. Yeah, that's very thoughtful. Yeah. The the amassing of stuff is um, I'm lucky that I'm married to a woman who about every six months is like, OK, we're getting rid of stuff. And we, we send a lot of stuff, <clears throat> excuse me. We send a lot of stuff to thrift stores. We, uh, we, but we, but you still accumulate. Like we've been living in our same house for, I think six, 17 years now, 16 years. And I don't have, like, I find myself not wanting to move cause I'm scared of the stuff, mm. you know, and accumulation. Yeah. You mentioned that you, yeah. you were kind of helping your parents through stuff. That's another thing about aging. We're now kind of sandwich parenting. Right. Because we've got older yes. parents and we've got younger kids, um, kids that are getting close to getting out of the house. So that's beginning to change a little bit. But uh, watching older parents, I mean, I had to watch my dad, you know, my dad die a few years ago. 
and then my mom sorting out mm-hmm. who she is and what she wants and you know will she stay in her house and won't she and those types of things which is a blessing to do <clears throat> of course but it's that's a whole another realm that you have to think of i you know professionally too man I don't know if you've noticed this. I'm watching people and probably myself begin to hit hit their Peter principle, like people kind of hitting Mm -hmm. the pinnacle of where they're going to be in their careers. And and you're watching them like, Mm -hmm. okay, they probably can't handle any more than they've got on their plate right now. That may be that may be the end of their trajectory, which is weird. You know, I'm always scared of myself. Mm -hmm. Like, does this did I get to the end? Is this all I can do? And, you know, and it's good to be good at it. But like how much more can I handle? Should I keep trying for more? Like, yeah, it's weird to never think because when you're younger, you're just like, let's go. Like everything was just like, all I want to do is, you know, call out shotgun and always, always be in it, you know? And now you're like, "Ah, I don't know if I want to do that. I don't know if I should be doing that. How about this one, Mm -hmm. Sam? Just figuring out how you're supposed to dress as a 49 year old person. (laughs) That one's weird, isn't it? It is. Uh, it is. Uh, you know. Um, you know what's funny is the other day I, I was I was going through my closet, and Mike I used to raid uh-huh. my closet, all the time. He would come in there and you'd take. Well, I'm gonna take this. I'm gonna take that because you know we've kind of been the same size now for the last year, and I noticed that that is <laughs> waning. And I thought, why? Why is that, Micah? You know what's going on? My, he's like, uh, you're you're you overcommitted to some styles <laughs> that are no longer really working. Cause you know, listen, I just, I just hired this 23 year old, uh, um, youth director and he will walk into yep. staff meetings sometimes. And I know my age when he walks in, I'm like, do, is that, do we have to do that now? Cause I don't, I don't know if I can do that. And he's like, well, you don't have to. And I'm like, oh yeah, see, he, he thinks I probably shouldn't. Um, but to be fair, the cutoff, his cutoff shirt was too much for me. I was, I was not, not seeing that. Is that where you draw well, the line? I think I draw the line way, way before that, but that was a, an example of where I will not go. <laughs> I remember, listen, I remember when I was a campus chaplain just a year and a half ago, I remember where I, really? I drew the line. Okay. When everyone, and this years ago, when every, when joggers became a uh-huh. big thing, um, when I when I started seeing men on my campus walk around in joggers as if they were real pants, that's when I knew I I am not I am not participating in that. Whatever that is, not yeah. gonna happen. No, there's me. there's this is, there's certain lines. There's certain lines. What cracks me up is like when the when the hey we're all wearing like these huge old man Fila shoes, these big white. <laughs> like your grandpa used to wear you're like oh man is this yeah. back and we're watching those i mean i think the 80s is back when it comes to dressing you know which which we oh, really hope definitely. would never come back but it's come back um oh definitely that's that's you know you and i talked about this the other day my my son just bought himself those um nike blazers Nikes, man um, the blazers what are they dude he, he calls them he calls them end, entry level sneaker culture. Yeah, uh, those things are shoes, rad. Those right? blazers. So what I did, I was in his room, <laughs> looking at his new shoes, and and I, I asked them as I was holding one of them, are these comfortable? And then I and I bent them to see so if they were comfortable, wrong. and I got a long lecture, <laughs> a, a bit of a ventilated lecture 
about how you do not crease no. those shoes. No, when I I I've, and, I, I was up in Nike you? right before the pandemic, um, and and a good friend of mine was able to get us into the uh, to the to the special store, the the store oh, that wow. was Look no, it was like. I, my kids are still jealous of me for going there because I didn't buy them anything. Um, and dude, I bought like four pairs of Nikes and it was so cheap. It was awesome. And uh, my I was wearing one and my son's like, you can't walk like that. I was like, what are you talking about? And he's like, you're going to put a crease in them. Dad, you can't walk like that. And I'm like, I'm just, I'm just walking. And it was like a panic moment of like, no, 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 no. You can't bend your, you can't bend. I'm like, I got to walk flat footed. Like, I'm not going to do that. And my, my <laughs> wife goes, oh, that's what's wrong with half of my students. Like they walk funny because they're trying not to crease their Nikes. Yeah, man, it's, it's so, mm. so, but let me ask you well, this, Sam, let me ask you this, if I can, you just changed careers post 50, yes. right? That took some, yes. that took some, some guts. Yeah. It, well, I don't know if it took, I mean, thank no, you. No, it took some guts, man. Cause like we didn't major... know you'd be successful. I mean, we all thought you'd fail. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> no, but that the problem was you were so good at what you were doing before uh, that all of a sudden, all of a sudden, you know, I think people are still like incredulous of the fact that you stepped out of the work that you were doing. I mean, you had been there for 20, what, 21 years? 22. 22 um, yeah. total, in total. Um, yeah, and I thought I'd do that for the rest of my life. And I think that's part of aging too, is that you, you begin to wonder what else you could do, what else God has given gifted you to do and whether you have um really really maxed out your potential um and look I, I, what i say to people who ask me why you do it is like i i wanted um you can yeah. get comfortable after 22 years and doing a thing that you got really good at um and i think i needed something in my life to um wake me up in the morning a little a little charge so i have a friend who a little, a little mm -hmm. more keyed up. Like I, I've, I've got to bring everything in. I've got to bring every skill, every, um, my mind has to be focused uh, in a special way because I'm going to learn some things today. Um, all that I wanted that at at, at eleven. Yeah. You know the the knob eleven. Um, I have a friend who flies for um, mm -hmm. Southwest Airlines. Have I talked about Not this on before? The Maybe I have. Okay, so yeah, he. I asked him once, hey, um, do you ever get so comfortable with flying these gigantic tubes mm -hmm. through the air with passengers and wings attached to them that it becomes just a second nature? Like, hey, this, is, this is like another day at my job, just, you know, uh, like an accountant doing the spreadsheets or a Subway sandwich artist making it. Like, this is just like another one. And he said, look, you get in in cruising cruising life once you're at 30 whatever 32,000 feet it is that you sit back you get the ipad out and you do some work and you you know that's that but 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 taking off and landing he said i experienced the same rush of adrenaline and i'm keyed up and wow. focused thinking about the 150 souls that are right behind me who need to get to where they're going to safely um he said that will never i'll never get comfortable with that i'll never get so comfortable that it becomes wow. second nature to me and he said and then he said you need me like that you want For me sure. to be uh, you want my senses to be at their peak um 
um, every time we're landing and we're taking off. He's like, you want that in me. And I actually, I've, been, I've thought about that for years thinking, I want my work, the work that I do to keep me, you can't, you can't function like that at all times. I get that. But I want that, the sense that something dramatically important is happening mm -hmm. right now that requires my senses to be pumped full of adrenaline, ready to go every, every moment. And, um, and to be honest, I think I got, I had gotten kind of comfortable in the work I was doing so much so that I could mm -hmm. cruise, um, and do it on automatic. And I loved it. Look, this is not saying that I didn't love it. I loved it. Every moment of it, uh, to the very last moment. And, and I still feel, um, because you know I live live, right. live near the campus, so every time I drive by it, it's my it's like it was my home, my life for so long. Um, and you and I, you know, we're the same. We do our work all in. We don't just dabble. We don't clock in right. and clock out. So, you know, it was my life for 22 years. So, I still feel um, a sense of loss, like I, I left. But but right now, the work I'm doing is like landings and takeoffs wow. every single day. And, and I'm, and I'm loving That's that awesome. ride, loving it. Um, so I would say, look about, about aging. Um, I have been blessed to do in the first chapter of my life work that I thoroughly loved, deeply fulfilling, satisfying every day. Um, and I've now been blessed to be doing work that does the same thing in my heart and in my soul every day. Um, and I wish that for everybody, yeah. for everyone who goes through a transition like the one I went through. That's awesome. And if it's not like, let's just be, I'm going to do some old timey, <laughs> some old timey chaplaincy work that I did with my students for 22 years. If what you're doing right now feels like, you know, this routine doesn't, you're, you're just it sucks the soul out of your, out of your life every day. And you're not excited about it. Stop doing it. Yeah. Just, Prepare for a transition. Yeah, I, I, I had something a, else. I had a mentor of mine tell me one time when I was really struggling with a, a position I was in, um, and I just wanted to leave. And um, he said to me, "So, okay, if you feel like you're being called somewhere else, or if it's time for you to go," he said, "Then this job is no longer yours. You are now a steward of this position for the next person." And that's how you need to look at it. Because I was like, I, I need to leave, but I don't know what to do. I don't know where to go. I don't know, you know, I, do I just quit? What do I do? And he said, listen, if you're open to moving, God's going to find something for you. But at this point, from this day on, from this day forward, you are stewarding that position for the next person who's there. So that's how you have to handle it. It's no longer mm -hmm. your identity. It's no longer your job. It's the job of the person who God is preparing for next. And so you need to be in that position doing what you do to get them to get that position ready for the next person. And I just thought, man, that was really helpful to me when I was struggling with where I yeah. was and wanting to make a change, but not sure what that change should be, what it was going to look like, where it should go or whatever. Mm -hmm. Wow. Hey, so I, I think we've got this. How do you know when it's huh, time? That's a good question. I keep telling all the people around me, like, will you, will you tell me, will you tell me when it's time for me to go? Mm. And they're always like, no, it's not time. But I think like, I wonder sometimes. No, no one's ever going to say, Hey, except for maybe the supervisor who does your right. yearly evaluation. Um, it's time to go. 
I think uh, you know it's. I think it, you nah, know it's no, time when when there's something else, <clears throat> when you'd rather be doing something else, like when you'd rather be somewhere else, unless that's the kind of job you have. Like some people go into work because work is a necessary evil to get them to the things they want to do. Um, I, I'm not sure I can I can mm. speak to a person like that because that's never how I've chosen um, to work or the kind of positions that I've taken. For me, it's when 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 I know it's time for me to leave is when I, my mind is wandering a lot to something else. And I realize like my passion is no longer here. I can do it. I can be, I can be quite good at it. But when my passion is no longer there, when I don't wake up thinking about it anymore, that's when I find myself Mm. saying, okay, maybe it's time to go. And I think, I I mean, I, I think when you feel that way, you are standing in the way of somebody else who's supposed to be in that position you know, mm. and, and I mm. think there's another thing, right. And maybe we've talked about this before. I'm not sure when, if you're for ministry, let's say, so maybe this is just talking to those who are in ministry. We, we balance these two things, the empire of man and the kingdom of God, right? When I find everything I'm doing in ministry is empire of man work, and I'm not doing that kingdom of God work. Um, that for me is when there's an imbalance, when, you know, there's always going to be empire work that you have to do just to be able to get to, you know, we always got to pay our taxes. I think I've said that before. But, um, but if I'm not doing kingdom of God work in, in my vocation, cause that's what I've been called to, if I'm not doing that kind of work, either I've decided that's not what I'm going to do, or there's an imbalance in the kind of ministry that I'm doing and I need to change that. And I've been in positions where mm-hmm. all I was doing was managing the empire. And that became, mm-hmm. that became mm-hmm. not only exhausting, but soul, you know, it just sucked the life out of my soul. I just didn't want to do it anymore. I was mm. angry all mm. the time. I was frustrated. I was, I was, you know, frustrated with the people that I was working with and I don't ever want to be there again, you know? And I think yeah. a call, and I know yeah. we weren't talking about this necessarily, but I'm not sure that a call to ministry is always lifelong. Ooh, we need, we, let's, let's talk about that for a moment. But first, before we move on from um, this important topic, the, um, uh, something you mentioned a second ago you know i i do have i have people that i know and love who live for um their vacation so the, their entire their entire the way they think about their year is when do i take time off and they live towards that and then they do they do their vacation and some of them have lengthy vacations because of the, the kind of work they've chosen to do um their their work is the necessary like this is the work is the necessary evil I have to do every year in order to get right. to uh, the vacation. And I, I've always thought this is completely opposite of how I want to th- do my, my life in general. I, I want to live my life this way. The vacation is where I go to recharge so I can come back to the thing I love doing. Um, the vacation is where I regenerate, refresh um, and pause to be ready to come back uh, and deliver better, uh, more focused um more more alive right. you know this right. is you know to bring my best back to to the to my calling um i I, mean, I wish that i wish that for everybody now and now to the very i think you've introduced controversy into <laughs> our podcast dear listener prepare prepare for shaky is it ground because you don't agree with me is that why um i don't know i, I haven't heard you out but we should probably ask our producer to come up with some kind of jingle for what comes next in shaky ground. Um, controversy, go. 
ministry should not you don't believe it should be a perpetual no, I call that. i i like, said that i don't know that it's always a lifetime call and and what's the difference between lifetime and perpetual, perpetual? sounds like forever it's kind of the same uh, i just i like my word yeah though. i believe no, so here's the here's the thing this is my question i guess um it, are we called for a season in time in like professional ministry? And then are we called to maybe something else at different times as a Christian? Are you always doing ministry? I would hope that you have some sort of calling that you are expressing somehow, but that's not often given to somebody who has gone into ministry. Like if you leave, if you leave the pastorate, if you will, and we all know people who have left the pastorate, there's this huge, this huge, like disappointment that people around you, you must have experienced it when you stepped out of chaplaincy. Oh, I've got, I've got emails. Yeah. One, let me just point out one that is it serves as an example for a host of other emails. One that the the words that were typed actually said, "The tears are falling on the keyboard as I write as I oh. type this out." Why have you walked away from ministry? Um, my, my, it's heart wrenching, um, to see you and by the way, and, and a couple other friends who, um, stepped out of pastoral right. roles, uh, in parishes, uh, and to do some other kind of ministry. Um, why did you abandon your call? Wow. Essentially is the, was the, was the question posed to me. Yeah. Heart wrenching. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, look, I, can I tell you? Can I tell you when and where I real? Yeah, I realized that the words you just said are actually very, very true, and I'm going to go all the way. You're saying I don't know that a call to ministry is perpetual, or or I'm sorry, lifelong. What did no, you I just like lifelong? Better. That's what I said. <laughs> okay, um, I'm going to go say I'm going to declare it. It is. It is most certainly not. Sometimes it is, and praise right. God when that is. If if I, if if your ministry, your your call to serve a pastoral, a parish or ministry is <coughs> is lifelong, Sorry. praise God for that, and I hope you find it fulfilling, satisfying, and amazing every day. Um, but often it is not, and because we think of it as a as a perpetual call to this kind of ministry, I've I, people just stay in it way past right. when they should have. And here's the, here's when I realized it at my first workers meeting for the conference that I was working at right out of college. <laughs> so yeah. I was invited to go to this, to this workers meeting. I'm like three, four months into ministry. Um, they gathered every pastor from an entire you know conference or region. There's probably a hundred right. people there. I looked around that room and I saw a lot of broken people a lot of bored people, a lot of completely disengaged, angry, just angry. I saw people at angry and I saw people at, at where I am right now, my stage of life right now, um, probably making a mortgage payment and, and hoping that they could just finish making those mortgage payments soon enough to just be able to walk away from this. Not, they didn't love ministry. Now, this is, there was a few, there was a bunch of those, but there was also a lot of people sure. engaged and alive and loving what they did. And you can tell the difference, yeah. man. You can tell the difference between people who are still, who are, you know, who are in landing and, right. and taking off mode and people who are just cruising, hoping that this flight ends soon. Um, 
And that's when I knew ministry, the call, this call cannot possibly, like I, sometimes, sometimes it ends. Like God, God says, hey, thank you so much for serving yeah. me here. I, I've got something else uh, very exciting for you to do next in another field. Uh, my namesake, Samuel, the prophet Samuel. So here's my thinking about ministry calling. I, just for the record, I had right. no idea this was going to, this was going to inner innervate so you passionate so about much. this this is awesome go for it go for <laughs> it <laughs> look that we i think our our model of ministry in the in the in the modern church in the church we're living in right now is um is i believe in professional ministry i do but i think we've lost the prophetic um so, sort of calling which is, you know, the prophet Samuel, the, when God needed him to go do something, some big task, he was a farmer. God said, hey, stop the farming for a while. I'm going to need you to come this. And while you're doing this, I'm going to sustain you, provide for you and feed you. And your family will be cared for, but I need you to do this. And while he was engaged in that, um, God provided. But when he was done telling David, hey, the sheep thing, <laughs> you stole a sheep from the poor people. And then the when he was done with that, Samuel went back to his farm and kept doing that that other work that God had for him. I, I just I have a I think we've lost a little bit of that in ministry. I think that's that should be part of a calling. Like what what does God need me to do now? And when I have accomplished it, then maybe f either go back to the farm or or find the next vineyard that God wants me to till yeah. and cultivate. No, and I think that's thank you, Tim, for allowing awesome. me this. Ah, I think, and rant. I think it's so reasonable, right? And I, I think the disappointment that people feel is, dear listener, if I could, if I could break this down for you, um, and you guys all probably know this, you're all brilliant people who are wasting your time listening to us, but um, <laughs> we're we're part of the collective dumbing down of of our listeners at this point. No, um, <clears throat> when you say things like that to a pastor who's leaving you put an undue amount of guilt on them. And I know what you're trying to say is how oh. much you've meant to me. Okay. But, but what you do is you tell people that for some reason they are letting you down in, in their call to ministry by, by shifting, shifting careers or shifting positions. And even when it comes from a really good place, it's it's very difficult. The other thing, and Sam, I'm sure you've experienced this because you moved into healthcare. There's this overwhelming sense that oh, you're selling out, right? You're just going after the money, and and that's that's not only offensive, that's not really fair. Yeah. Nobody would say this to anyone in any other career. You get a promotion, you get an opportunity to step up in your in your income. And it's usually not what people think. I know when I stepped into healthcare, people were like, oh, it must be great to make this much money. And I was like, I suppose it would be. I'm not making that. And they actually wouldn't believe me. I had a, I had somebody who was still in ministry who was like, oh, come on, you're making hundreds of thousands of dollars. And I abjectly was not. <laughs> and but but it's you would never say that to anyone else in a career, they get a promotion. You're like, mm -hmm. oh, praise God, man. God's blessing you. You get an opportunity, but you have to step out of ministry and you're somehow letting God and these people down. And that's, that's not, it's not fair, yeah. first of all. Second of all, it's incredibly hurtful. Even if what you're trying to say in the midst of your hurt is you meant a lot to me and I'm, I'm who I am as a believer, 
because of the things you said and because of the influence in your life. Those are appropriate and those are beautiful. And we mourn and, and rejoice in those things as we leave the, the pastoral ministry, professional ministry part, whatever. But when you say, I can't believe you're not allowing God to, you know, you're, you're, you're leaving your call, you're leaving, you know, what God has called you to do. First of all, that's assuming you understand the call that we have on our lives. Secondly, secondly, yeah. it's not it's not fair and it's it's deeply hurtful, even though I know that that's not what people are trying to do. Yeah. You know, yeah. and and I really do yeah. believe it comes from a place by and large because I got those I, I got those emails for sure. But but I mm. think it does come from a really good place. But I mean, would you tell your dentist if your yeah. dentist decides, you know what, I'm a better businessman than a dentist? Would you call your, you know, email your dentist and say, I can't believe you've left your calling. How dare you? And you're just doing it because you're selling out. Mm-hmm. I, that's ludicrous. That's really not fair. Yeah. And remember, we're we're yeah. professional ministers as well as being called to ministry. It is a job. It is a career. Yeah. And it's it's yeah. No, definitely it is. But no, 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 no. I'm interrupting. I was go, gonna go say on, one more thing, and I forgot now. Oh, this is no. Tra- it wasn't like a tragic. Point. It was like the end of the sentence. So, listen. So, so because I'm eager to say this is, is that um, we we don't the, the responses I got the responses you're talking about the responses I got belie the fact that we are we don't actually believe in the priesthood right. of all believers that we actually have a weird a weird notion that there's still a priestly class that is somehow set as like a levite class that is still set aside for things that to do that i can't do as a as a as a regular church member human being i don't have the kind of connections and the knowledge and the experience that these people are going to have and and um we got to get past that because because what we have is actually a professional ministry people who are being paid to do work that all of us should be qualified to right. do anyway but because I choose to be a dentist I don't spend my time doing you're going to spend time doing that because you're the pastor we've chosen a role we don't we don't believe in apostolic right. authority we don't believe in that that's not our we are we are we believe that that Jesus said every believer can do right. the things that we do right isn't that right so when one of us says hey I'm going to go make a living doing something else that is not this um, to assume that we're abandoning our call or abandoning our our you know our the the the, 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 the we're leaving people that we're leaving the fields that God has asked us to to you know to work in and that they're gonna the catastrophes next that's not that's right. that's not true that's not but, gonna happen there, um, there is also sorry now I cut you off um, you know I also no, want to acknowledge that you know the the pain in you leaving your chaplaincy your position that you had for 22 years the pain that was experienced there is because a <clears throat> you're really good at what you do people love hearing you speak you've had incredible influence on people's lives so the loss of that i understand you know yeah. so i mean so i go back and forth I, on this right what i don't like is or what i think is is hurtful even if it doesn't mean to be hurtful is the you're letting me down how dare you let me down that's not reasonable that's not fair Mm. again the the recognition of the influence that you've had is phenomenal and i think that is a blessing that comes with a position the danger in us with professional ministry just like you say without the acknowledgement of the priesthood as all believers is that and this is where i think this is where i think 
things get really weird. Um, oftentimes we allow our religious leaders to do our believing for us. Yes. And so what they are experiencing is not just a loss of, of someone who has had influence or a voice that they want to hear. They feel like they might be losing their faith because they have allowed your faith to be their faith. And that's a problem. Yes. That is a, yes. Yes. Yes, exactly. And this, do you know what? And this is, and this is why this we've talked about and you and I talk about a lot. This is why sometimes people walk out of your sermon going, but you didn't really tell us what to believe. You just asked a bunch of questions and what are we supposed to do with that? Or you didn't actually like, you didn't actually come down on whatever, you know, I'm walking away with some ambiguity here. I I need you to tell me what to believe. A lot of, a lot of times we, we are asked questions like, and a lot of times the pastors Um, who are more than willing to give people those things become the very popular and sought after pastors because we think that their we think that their clarity means that they, they figured it out and we just want their clarity, right? We don't want to have to do that thinking ourselves. It's down to the, this is, it comes down even down to the very inflection of someone's voice when they're declaring something. (laughs) If you hear them sound like this, then you, I think people hear that and go, uh, what, whatever they're talking about, even if it's about soy milk being better than oat milk, um, I'm going to go without being authoritative. It just sounds, it just sounds more, you know, like these people have authority over me. Yeah, man, I look, I did not, first of all, just Mm -hmm. a technicality worth mentioning. Um, I went from chaplaincy to overseeing chaplaincy, basically. So there, there was, there was, it was a, it was a big shift, but not, but I'm still in the same kind of world. You know, providing spiritual care to, to way a way broader footprint. You know, than uh, just two thousand students who sign up for education for you know at a university. Now, now I do it for, I oversee the work of chaplaincy for, you know, our footprint is a right. million people. That's where that's who we serve, um, and that's the kind of thing that gets me excited. Like, how do we, um, what, how do we care for people who are living through probably their their worst day? who may or may not have a connection to uh, to spiritual communities, but but are spiritual because we are, we're being right. spiritual beings. Um, uh, how, do we, how do we do that? That part has got me um, pretty excited. But, um, but you know, I, I think that the, we've got to come to terms with the, the lack of ownership that the general membership of churches now find themselves like remember the days when we would study in seminary the growth patterns in the mm-hmm. early 1900s we're talking about our church now the denomination right. we work that right. we're part of right um how we would hear these stats about you know growth rates of 10 percent every year and um and the correlation to that growth was the fact that we didn't have what they call right. settled pastors that is people who oversaw people who were paid to 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 be in one place, one church, one parish, and pastor it long term. What we had was lay people, and people who just cared for the community in the model of the Bible. Right. The elders they care for the community, and then these itinerant circuit riding um, preachers, preachers or who just come by once a year to see, hey, how are you doing? How are you growing? Yeah. What's going on? 
You got anyone we need to baptize? Let's, uh, and that was the end. Oh, and then the Dime Tabernacle, was that the one? The Dime Tabernacle in Battle Creek. We built this massive church, our first big wow. mega church. They call it, the, I don't you remember, remember this? this. The, dime, the Dime Tabernacle, they called it the Dime Tabernacle because they raised money for it by asking people to oh, donate wow. a dime. And when they finished building it, it was so big, they said, we need a we need a pastor to a settled pastor to stay that was here the first settled pastor and care for these people wow. that was the first one and i remember seeing i remember seeing the 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 growth graphs directly correlated to the dime tabernacle asking for a settled pastor and being granted one it it would the decline in people what however you think about or you feel about growth of the church and all that um it going from 10% growth every year to less than 2% in the 1970s in this country, um, which is not even biological right. growth, right? Um, so, I, look, I say all this to, to point out that the priesthood of all believers, we either believe right. that or not. And if it's really true, the, the sense that there's someone who cares for everything about the church and that I don't have to be involved in it. We've got to we've got to put a stop to that eventually and say, okay, what is the the real role of the pastor? What is the pastor actually adding to this community? That um, the things that we could do ourselves right. for the community. And uh, by the way, ha having said all this, I've got one last point I want to make when you're done uh, rebutting no. or you're done commenting on my last my last um, revision. Um, yeah. So as we've as we've as we've been planning churches, they're by and large lay-led churches. Yes, and that that I mean Chattanooga is an amazing example of that. They've grown to you know four or five hundred people, and that's all lay-led, right? We've got some trained you know some mm -hmm. people who have backgrounds in theological training, but but they are not full-time pastors. There's no full-time pastor put there, and um, that hasn't stopped its growth. In fact, that's increased probably its engagement and its involvement. And, you know, I'm able to, I'm able to give, you know, the preaching portion, which is a lot, a lot of churches economy stems, you know, around a preacher, unfortunately, in those sermons, um, fortunately or unfortunately, I don't know if that's the way it should be, but we, we've been able to support that with the, that kind of preaching resource, but those people have done the work and they do an incredible amount of work. Mm -hmm. And I think people have been surprised all over the world as they look at our model saying, how, how can just people build churches but the truth is churches don't build disciples disciples build churches right mm. yes and i just want to say that i because i was last week and i was in chattanooga with the team that's working there that is awesome to see yeah. it's, it's a thing of beauty to see a group of people motivated by by their love for the community and the love of the gospel the love of the good news uh, giving as much as they do, um, their time, their effort, the, that's exciting to see. And you sometimes wonder, will a, will a pastor yeah. mess this up? No, we have significant fears about that because we talk to their conference and sometimes their conference is like, well, eventually we're going to have to get you a pastor. And we're like, be careful, be careful because, mm -hmm. you know, and this is, I think the way I view pastoral ministry is, um, and by, I don't know how we got all the way here from talking about being old, but, um, <laughs> you know, the way I view pastoral ministry is much like you said, 
there's no apostolic authority, right? There's certain things that I'm responsible for, but, but I don't have a, you know, it's not, maybe it technically is a priestly role, but I don't see it that way. I'm, I sit in the church with everyone else seeking the heart of God, you know, and I have this incredible Mm. privilege and honor to be the one that, that they've said, Hey, we're willing to listen to what you say and we're willing to trust in what you say. But sometimes I have to push back on that trust a little bit and say, don't allow this to be, don't allow this to be, um, don't allow this to be your believing, you know? And so sometimes I do have to say, I do have to leave them wanting. I do have to leave them with the Mm. questions and not the answers so that they will continue to be engaged. And I think any pastor worth his salt understands that if I'm the guy who's giving them all the answers, um, I'm responsible for any time that I'm wrong. And, And you do that. You do that very well, Tim. This is what, look, I, if the, the prototype, as I think about pastors and pastoral ministry, I think you are, you are fulfilling the, the role that most closely um, reflects, at least where I think a pastor, the pastor's role is right now, strategic mm-hmm. thinking, uh, which is really your, this is what you're doing every day. You're getting up and thinking, how does, how does, how do we, how do we move the kingdom of God. How do we help increase it in our in the scope that we're, right. where we are right now? Um, that's something that the dentist is not thinking about today because he's got to right. work on people's teeth. Um, hey, that's something that we, you have to do because this dentists. is your role. We do. Seems yeah, like we've we cho- ha- yeah, hammered we do. dentists yeah, yes. a little hard. No, it's, it's affirming. We love dentists. That's why. That's why we're talking. We're affirming about their calling. Ones. Okay, I just wanted to be clear. I didn't want yeah, to yeah, yeah. think we were just. Uh, like Dennis, those Dennis. The, you know, the amount of time you spend from three to three a.m. to eight a.m. in Scripture, um, studying and preparing—that's something that most people are not going to have time to do. So they want to come find what Tim. What did you study and what did you find out? And that's what you deliver every weekend, and you do it. You do it really well. And then, and then mentoring um, a staff of people to—that's I think that's the role. That's the role you're you're playing right now. Um, but I want to listen. I want to. I want to conclude my bit of the, the all the things I've said today by by adding one thing that may sound like I'm rolling back uh, a little bit, but this is not a rollback. This is just an affirmation because there may be some dear listener there who has had a pastor for thirty years and. Um, and they hear me say this going, ah, what? So that person should have left or you don't believe that, that the calling can be perpetual. I was like, I didn't say I don't believe the calling can be perpetual. I say that, that we shouldn't assume right. that it is. Um, because I do know of many examples of, of pastors who have committed their life and their, mm-hmm. their soul and their time to one community. And they have, they, they have lived there. They, they are, they know every corner, every person, every name, every baby born, every, uh, they know who's, who's in the hospital today and what their diagnosis is. They know who is going through a marital problem. They know who went to college, who like they, they right. know their community so well. They've integrated into it right. so much so that that to me is a thing mm-hmm. of beauty. Um, and I, I love that too. I think, I think it's, 
I think it's possible to be that and to do that um, with uh, a deep love for people and a deep love for a community that God has entrusted to your care. What I, um, but I, I, but if, uh, but if you have burnt out and you don't really love a community, you're just making the payments and you're just trying to get through to the promised land of retirement, Arizona, Florida, or whatever. Um, I, I do think this word of, uh, uh, I think it releases yeah. people from the burden of thinking, oh, I had to do this the rest of my life. Otherwise, I would deny that one thing. The moment when I felt that Jesus called right. me to be a minister right. in this no, church. No, I think that's beautiful. Because, And I think, you, I think sometimes we do need permission because the work of ministry is difficult, it's mm -hmm. hard, and sometimes it's sometimes it's soul-crushing, and sometimes we even need a break. I took, I took two and a half years and stepped out, and um, I needed it. I learned a bunch of new stuff. I, did, I came back doing ministry completely differently than I had left it. I was a different person that needed that experience and um, was so blessed to have spent time outside of the pastorate. And I wonder if, you know, hey, maybe at some point God will call me somewhere else as well. And I won't, I won't end my career in the pastorate. That's there. There's always that possibility. I want to go where God leads, wherever that is. And it can't be just, mm -hmm. just to a church. If that's the case, then we think that God's only leading in, in our church work. He's not leading in the marketplace. He's not leading in our healthcare institutions. He's not leading. He leads everywhere. And, and yes. we probably should be less, um, less bifurcated in the way that we view a calling from God. You know? Yeah. Yes. Well, I this went to, this went to a place we did not expect it to go to, but hopefully it's been thoughtful and people are interested. Um, hopefully, 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 well, the good news is they can <laughs> shut it off and we'll never know. Um, no, we want to thank you guys for being just so honestly, so, so great listeners. We go and we go and look at how many people are downloading and are kind of amazed and super excited. Yeah. Also, we did a quick, I don't know if we mentioned this before. We did a thing with the, the burn the haystack guys. And if so, if you haven't yeah. listened to the burn the True. haystack podcast, you should go and listen to it. Um, um, and then we'll be on it at some point. I don't know fun. when it's coming out, but that was, that was a lot of fun. We did it at yeah. night. So we were much more lucid. Um, I think, <laughs> I don't know. More I actually got kind of weird there for a while. Anyway, we want to thank you guys for being just great, dear listeners. And uh, we'll catch you on the next podcast. Uh, Sam, you have anything you want to say as we ended up? No, that was perfect ending. Well, thank we'll you, Tim. Better. Perfect. All right. Thanks, everybody. We'll see you later. Our podcast and its theme music is produced by Michael Lenore, and our content manager is Teresa Rojas. Tim is the lead pastor of Crosswalk Church in Redlands, California, and Sam oversees spiritual care for Adventist Health. Thank you for joining them for today's conversation. For more information on what they have going on or to support their ministry financially, visit www.samandtim.com. That is S-A-M, the letter N, T-I-M.com.